Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon East. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. It's a big day in the Fannie Willis case, and we have some breaking news for you in it that you're about to hear right here. Uh, so big. In fact, we're going to do two shows today. That's how big the day is for Fannie Willis. First, our normal SiriusXM show live at noon east. And then later today, we'll be taping a separate show uh, on the actual hearing where they're doing their closing arguments on whether she and Nathan Wade ought to be booted off this case with reaction from some of our favorites. Mike Davis, Dave Ehrenberg and Phil Holloway will all be here. So continue checking our podcast feed and YouTube feed uh, for that download, which we'll post later today. This afternoon's hearing could finally bring us closer to a resolution in the scandal that has rocked the Georgia case and could end it altogether. Attorneys for former President Donald Trump and his co-defendants have argued that D.A. Fannie Willis and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade improperly benefited financially from this case and then lied about it under oath. The defense wants the judge to hear about the cell phone records that they claim support their argument that Willis and Wade were in a romantic relationship long before they admit and long before she hired him in November 21 to work on the Trump case. Willis's team wants the judge to hear from a winery employee who says that one time Willis and Wade showed up and Willis paid $400 in cash when it was time to pay the bill. Okay. <laughs> the judge is not expected to the rule to rule from the bench today. I think it's fair to say there's almost no chance he's going to do that. But today's hearing could give us a much better indication on whether or not he will order this pair to be removed and possibly worse, which could end up the entire case against former President Donald Trump and his co-defendants. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com.
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Joining me now, Jesse Kelly, host of The Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm right. Jesse, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Mac and I am doing great. I love the shirt, by the way. That's great. It's a mixture Thank of you. old school and new. Big fan. Big fan of the shirt. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's from Kelly J. Keene, who's uh, an activist on this stuff. She's a, an inspo to me. And if you want to get it, please get it from her website, which is adulthumanfemale. Is it .us? She's in the UK. I think it's adulthumanfemale.us because what happens, I've noticed, Jesse, is when I wear one of these or when I post one of these, all these like T-shirt manufacturers then rush to flood my feed with buy here, buy here, buy here, buy here. And then the person who actually came up with it doesn't get the purchases. And Kelly J. Keene is fighting this good fight way more than any of the rest of us. So go to adulthumanfemale.us. And for those listening, it's... um. It's like a baseball T-shirt that, you know, kids wear with blue arms and white shirt. It says female across the front in sort of the red Coca-Cola style. All right. So, Jesse, uh, we've got some breaking news in the Fannie Willis case that we're going to share with our audience and you right now. Um, you recall that Terrence Bradley, the one-time lawyer and friend of Nathan Wade, took the stand this week and tried to do the I know nothing routine, <laughs> notwithstanding all of his texts to defense attorney Ashley Merchant showing, oh, he knows a lot. And he very clearly has an understanding of when the affair began. And it appears to have been 19 or 20, but certainly not 22, as this pair claims. Now, we um, he, he had done such a 180 that it was like he started getting cross-examined on whether he'd been threatened and just how close he has been to Nathan Wade. Like, you know, how tight are you guys now? Um, he claimed that he hadn't talked to Nathan Wade, his former client and friend, in two years. Do we have that sound bite, guys? Let's play it. When was the last time you spoke to Mr. Wade? I haven't spoken to Mr. Wade personally in a year, two years, actually, when I left the firm. He steered this contract to you, to your office, and you weren't really talking to him? You hadn't talked to him for two years? The contract was in 2021. I didn't leave until 2022. So you didn't talk with him that whole time? I left in 2022. I haven't really spoke to him since 2022 is what I stated. Okay. Well, we've come into possession of a voicemail that was left for attorney Ashley Merchant from a waiter nearby where these all, all folks, uh, where, they, where they practice law. And we're going to play it for you now. Take a listen. Um, I'm calling. So I just watched the um, Terrence Bradley um, hearing, and I noticed on there he said that he hasn't talked to Nathan Wade in two years. But I work at a restaurant here on the square, and I waited on Terrence, B.C. Chopper, and Nathan Wade about five weeks ago. So I just saw that and thought maybe you should know that if you want to call me back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that man's name in the middle was Terrence Bradley's lawyer. So look, we're trying to track this guy down. We have his number. We're trying to reach him. We have to verify it. Could be a guy 
with a case of mistaken identity, could be a guy who just is sympathetic to uh, Trump. You know, we don't know. We want to disclose that we haven't figured out whether this guy has any biases whatsoever. But for what it's worth, and it's too late to be used at the hearing today, you've got this guy saying, once again, Terrence Bradley told yet another potential lie on the stand. He and Nathan Wade were together dining together as recently as five weeks ago, along with Terrence's lawyer. So, Jesse, where does that and the latest developments in this case lead us as we wait for this hearing to begin? Well, I mean, for Fulton County, for the people of Georgia, Fulton County, obviously, it's not great when you find out just how dirty your little fiefdom is. It's not that's never a great feeling. I've actually lived in towns like that where scandals like this dropped and everyone just kind of feels gross and a little bit embarrassed. But as far as for the country goes, it obviously is a great thing, Megan. It doesn't matter what people's opinion of Donald Trump is legally destroying the Republican nominee just because he's the Republican nominee is not probably something a country can come back from. Once you take that step, whatever comes after that, it won't look like the country you had before. It'll be bad. Everything will be bad. So if there are things, even a Fannie Willis affair, that's going to stop that, even if we're kind of lucking out a little bit, God looking out for us, whatever way you want to look at it, that's a good thing. And so this whole thing puts a smile on my face. I've said many times, Megan, I mean, you're an actual journalist. I'm not. I'm just a meathead. But people don't understand how really crooked politics is at the local level and how at the local level it's worse than D.C. In D.C., yeah, they're going to pass a bill and they'll find a way to funnel some money to their brother's solar panel company. And yeah, that's bad. It's really bad. I'm not defending it. But in, you know, Fulton County, your small town, wherever you're listening to The Great Megan Kelly Show, there's a reason your city councilman makes 35 grand a year and drives a late model BMW. This is how it works. It's envelopes full of cash. It's this and that. They're always find the way to swindle money out of people. It's all, it doesn't just work that way in Atlanta. Everywhere. That's how it works. Mm, it's so incestuous. That's how yeah. I feel. I, I like what you said. I It's schadenfreude. I'm delighted to see these yeah. two struggling. I don't have much empathy for them at all. Number one, they put themselves in this position, and I believe they lied under oath. That's a no. That's a hard no. It's a felony if you're lying about something material. And number two, they started this with this absurd lawfare against the likely Republican nominee. The whole goal is political. So why shouldn't they get it right back between the eyes? Oh, of course. These are the most detestable people. And I just, I mean, sure, everyone listening and watching understands this, but Fannie Willis is nothing more than an apparatchik. She's just she's one of the various commies in our system trying for a better seat at the table. That's what all this was. That's what Alvin Bragg's doing in New York. That's what Jack Smith's doing. They all want the next job, the next gig, the next whatever it is. And the best way to get promoted in the Democrat Party today is be the one who takes Trump down. Everything you know, Letitia James has done to Trump in New York, she's going to campaign on that when she goes to take Chuck Schumer's spot in the Senate. I guarantee it. Fannie Willis wants to be the next idiot senator from Georgia or maybe mayor or something. Something. Governor. She wants to be something. Yeah, a governor. And all this is is a pelt on the wall she can campaign on when she can when she does it. I'm the one who took Trump down. And again, in a country that is uh, like sane and normal, this stuff would be stopped, Megan, before an affair, right? It should have never taken an affair and corruption to bring to, to bring this stuff to a halt. This stuff should never happen anyway. If we have to get lucky to get the right result, good. I'd rather that wasn't the case. But hey, we'll take what we can get. You know, it's partial luck, but it's also not a coincidence because I think she, this is she must be a bad person, like the only a bad person 
would flout the law in this way, use it to take down someone perceived as a political enemy. And so, of course, that bad behavior is evident in other parts of her life. It took only an investigative lawyer in this case to find it, like start poking around somebody who's this bad, who would make up charges just to stop a political opponent has got to have done other bad things. And I am 100% fine with doing that to these people. Like it, you have to punch a bully, as I said, right between the eyes, right in the nose in order for the bully to back down. You can't be nice. You can't charm your way out of it. And I do think Trump's lawyers, and in this case, Michael Roman's lawyer, Ashley Merchant, who's been the heroine of this whole thing, um, deserve a badge of honor because they understood we're in the trenches right now. You can't sip the Earl Grey tea out of the Queen's tea set and just lecture everyone about how you have the moral high ground. No, it's not going to work. You, you, you nailed that. It's not going to work. And this is how Republicans have played for the longest time. They'll, they'll, to this day, you'll still hear some of them say, well, we're better than that. But then, or, that's not who we are. Brother, you better start being that because you're in a whole different game now because the country's totally different because the Democrat Party is they're, they have a total different level of power now than they've ever had. And, and the Democrats themselves are radically different. They're all commies now. So you had better start learning to play this game hard. And it's good that they went after this woman. That's how that's how you have to play it. Look, if you're going to become D.A. of Fulton County, Georgia, Fulton County, Georgia is a major county. Look, it wouldn't matter if it's a small county. Actually, I wish I hadn't even said that. But you're the D.A. of a county in the United States of America. And to know that you took that position, you only got that position to enrich yourself. Everyone knows she's been pocketing money the whole time. That moron actually admitted it on camera. She pocketed campaign <laughs> money. So she's she only did. ever viewed this she position did. not as some, some way to, to bag bad guys. She's always trying to line her pockets. And then she realized she had a political opportunity to move up in her communist party by taking Trump out. No sense of duty or honor about the office at all. I know that's not new right. for politicians, but it's really gross. There's nothing terrible that could happen to these people where I'd go, oh, that's too bad. No, no, no. Send them all to jail. Yeah. Well, they really might wind up there. That's the irony. You can yeah. go to jail for perjury. You certainly can go for corruption. Mm -hmm. And Annie McCarthy over at National Review has been saying repeatedly, like, don't be surprised if they get criminally charged beyond perjury uh, for the behaviors that are alleged here. So there is a lot at stake as these closing arguments to the hearing, not to the, there, you know, there's the tri trial against Trump, Roman, and et al. And then there's the hearing to see whether these will be the DAs to bring that case to trial. That is what's going down today. The closing arguments, they begin at one um, and we'll be listening to them again and then have, drop a second podcast later on today. All right, let's switch a little to the Trump legal cases outside of Georgia because something interesting happened um, yesterday in the Mar-a-Lago documents case out of Florida, which has been nicely delayed for Trump, right? Like they're going through who needs which security clearance, even on the defense lawyers team, right? It's like even Trump may not be able to see the documents that they say he unlawfully hoarded because he no longer has the security clearance. Like they have to work all this stuff out before they go to trial. So I still don't think that case gets tried anywhere before November, but something interesting. The prosecutors yesterday sent a letter to Judge Cannon, she was Trump appointed, proposing a date for trial. It was supposed to happen in May. Everybody agrees it's not happening in May. New date for the trial, July 8th. And Trump's lawyers made an abrupt turnabout, styles in the New York Times, and I agree with that characterization, saying 
not July, but one month later, August 12th, which would be three months before Election Day. And that's right after the Republican National Convention would be would have closed. Right. August 12th. And I was asking myself, why on earth would he be asking for an August trial date in the case that legally is the best against him? Right. The Mar-a-Lago documents case for all the stuff he did after he got the subpoena is the strongest legally. And, and the speculation is that he'd much rather get that case, which will take months to try going to block the January 6th federal case from going at all prior to November. I mean, it seems like the Trump team sees real legal peril in that January or maybe just political peril in that January 6th trial starting. And they won't start one while another one is going. So what do you make of all that? Well, I think it's all political peril, maybe. And let me let me explain. That was the lamest freaking answer ever. So let me allow me to explain myself, Megan. First, <laughs> I, legally, legally, that may be the savvy move, because, look, and when it comes to the January 6th trial in Washington, D.C., Trump is screwed, for lack of any other better way to put it. January 6th prisoners have been convicted in that exact same area 100% of the time. There's not a 99. 100% of the time, that is completely commie run. The judges, a dirtball commie, that Chudkin, the city votes 93, 94% Democrat. They all think Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler and the Antichrist. He's not walking out of that trial without being convicted. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. He will be convicted in Washington, D.C. So if they're trying to avoid that before the election, that's good. But most people, as you well know, they're not as informed as everyone listening and watching this show. They're just not. The people who listen watching this show have options. They choose to watch Megyn Kelly. So they're, they're going to be more informed than the normal voter. To the normal voter, Megan. I don't think they separate out these trials as much as people like you and me and your listeners do. It's just Donald Trump's on trial. They know there are multiple trials. What I'm saying is it's going to depend on how legitimate the regime currently is putting him on trial while people are voting. If he has a trial that starts in August, you say it's going to run a couple months. We're now butting up against all this early voting stuff. Are the American people, are they as disenfranchised as they should be about their justice system so that the fact he's on trial for a felony won't affect how they vote? Or maybe it'll actually push them into his corner. And that's an answer I don't know, Megan. How much legitimacy does the regime still have for Norm and Norma, for the normie American who isn't very educated on the issues? They're watching the game right now instead of this. Are they going to understand that it's a bunch of crap, that all this stuff's a bunch of crap? I don't have the answer to that question, Megan, but that's maybe the question for the year. I don't know. It does matter. I think Republicans know, but independence must be won in order for Trump to win the presidency. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they know or care. I think the big C conviction could be very problematic for them. Listen to this, just coming across the wires here via CNN's Paula Reid. Uh, in Florida federal court in the case that we're talking about in, in the very situation we're talking about right now. Um, in a bad sign, she tweeted out, in a bad sign for Jack Smith, the prosecutor, Judge Cannon, that's the Florida Judge Mar-a-Lago case, called some aspects of the government's proposed July 8th trial schedule unrealistic, more as we get it. So she's not inclined to go July 8th. I'm not surprised. And also she tweets, special counsel Jack Smith says, oh, listen to this, Jesse, this is, this is important. You remember um, when 
James Comey came out that October before the November election. Hillary Clinton's bad. She's bad, bad, bad. All the emails, but we're not going to charge her. And people said, well, first of all, there's a DOJ policy not to interfere with an election 60 days before. So realistically, the DOJ was never going to charge her. Then others said, well, he just violated it by coming out as an FBI guy and slewing all this mud toward her. Listen to this. But I mean, many people have been saying there's no way the DOJ tries to push these cases up to November because same thing, DOJ unwritten policy, but long followed. You don't you don't start a case right before an election. It looks like an election interference. Now special counsel gives it to us. DOJ policy discouraging public investigative actions 60 days before an election does not apply to setting a trial date on cases that have already been charged. Quote, we are in full compliance with that policy, Jack Smith told Judge Cannon, the prosecutor told Judge Cannon. So they're full speed ahead. They don't give a shit that we're going to have the presidency on the line on November 5th. In fact, they do care and they're actively trying to influence it. Yeah, this is why I say we're going to get a national divorce, Megan. <laughs> I don't have another way to put it. I don't I don't know what that expiration date is, but I am very uh, hesitant to say we can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I have a special about this uh, on the first TV about national divorce oh. and and how we're going separate ways right now. Uh, I have Ron DeSantis on to talk about it and various other things, but the the. What, but basically, the, the point of it is, Megan, is we're going this way so quickly, and they don't seem anymore on the left, there, there are no more guardrails, right? There used to be, you know, blue dogs or moderates, or, 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 or even in a place like California, you had to, yes, you were a Democrat, but you had to be sane, right? But there are no more guardrails, and there's nothing stopping these people now. They don't look at this stuff, look at putting the president on trial for ridiculous charges while he's in an election. They don't look at it like the normal person looks at it in horror, and this is ridiculous. That's just how these people operate. That's how they've always operated. You get power, you use power under any circumstances. It, with it, no matter what happens, you use the power you have to destroy your enemies and reward your friends. And what you've gotten there as a, as a nation, Megan, I don't know how you can ever come back. Like, I, don't, I hope we can, right? But I don't know how you could. I don't know what that looks like. How, how do you do that without all these people going to prison? And that's not going to happen. It's true. This is why lovers of America should be rooting for Trump in all four of these cases. Yeah. That's why you should be rooting for Trump. Yeah. You, you know, you tried. I know they're not going to. But that but the, the country's on the line, what we stand for, who we are, how we operate the future. Are we a banana republic or not? All that stuff is on the line in these cases, no matter whether you love him or hate him. Um, to your point about how extreme the left has gotten. Take a listen to Rachel Maddow. She's she and everyone at MSNBC. They're very mad that the Supreme Court agreed to hear the appeal of that case. It originated in the D.C. January 6th federal trial where Judge Chutkin, who can't stand Trump, ruled you don't have immunity for acts you took as president. No. Then it went up to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and a George H.W. Bush appointee and two, I think, Obama appointees came to the conclusion that Judge Chutkin was right. He does not have immunity. He cannot get out of these charges by saying, I was president at the time. You can't charge me criminally for those acts. And a lot of people thought the Supreme Court would not take that an appeal from there that Trump asked them to take. Well, they did. And that effectively means the January 6th trial does not go before the election. It's just, at, at best, the Supreme Court will issue its ruling late June. 
And it's going to be very, and the whole case, underlying case in the meantime, is held in abeyance. Nothing can happen in the case while SCOTUS has it. Nothing. It's basically the trial court judge loses her jurisdiction. So they're angry because they realize J6, which is their fave, their number one fave, Jesse, is not going to trial before November. And here's Rachel Maddow predicting, okay, watch this, what's going to happen next. Watch. The conclusion that we can arrive at now based on what they have done without having to wait for the ruling is that they are ensuring that Trump will not face trial. And when they inevitably rule that presidents aren't immune from prosecution after they leave office, what that will tell Donald Trump, if by then he is president, is that he can never leave the office of the presidency. And if he is voted out in 2028, he cannot leave office and he is willing to com- he, is, he is welcome to commit any crimes he wants to as long as he is still president in order to ignore the result of that election and stay in power for life. This is BS. It's just flagrant, flagrant bullpucky. These people are crazy. Megan, the communists are really, really, really good at creating idols. And I, I found this fascinating over the fat past few years. While I've, once I figured out what they do to watch them do it and not just idols you should worship, worship, but also idols you should throw tomatoes at. They'll create them ad hoc, right? They'll just do that. Uh, George Floyd actually is a great example. No one in the country gives a crap about a black drug dealer who died of an overdose. Let's just be honest. They didn't. Yet everyone immediately started to care and thought maybe they should care or at least felt like they should pretend to care because they took the situation and they knew that they could gain power with it. And so they immediately started putting up murals. He's having more funerals than the English queen. It, it, it was wild. By the way, there's no Boom, mural or statue of Thomas Sowell anywhere. Yeah, of course. But George Floyd, of course. as you point out, drug dealer. No, yeah. Okay, go ahead. All over the place. They're in New York City. They're, they're, they're all over the place. So immediately they 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 built an idol. They saw an opportunity. They built an idol and they told America, worship, worship, worship. They do it with Ukraine now. Hey, don't you defend democracy. Don't you care about democracy? And they do the same thing with idols they want you to throw tomatoes at. And Donald Trump is the best example of this of my lifetime. Donald Trump is a fairly moderate Republican. Yes. Definitely yes. more of a pragmatic deal maker type. People forget how many deals he tried to strike with Democrats and Republicans when he first got elected. Even he, had, he was on board for an amnesty deal. People forget that. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's get a deal done. He's fairly middle of the road. But they have in their minds convinced themselves that this is Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, everyone rolled up into one. He's this gigantic fascist demon. And they really, really believe it at this point in time, Megan. It's why they sound so insane with their rhetoric. It's why they've done everything they could possibly do to destroy him, and they justify it in their minds, right? How could you use your your position as as special counsel, as a DA? How could you use that to go after the president? It looks bad. Well, I try to explain to people on the right who don't get this, what would you do if you could take out Adolf Hitler? And they laugh and they mock the rock. Oh, he's not Adolf Hitler. Yes, I know he's not Adolf Hitler, but in their minds, he is. It's what they do, Megan. These people believe that anything and everything is permissible to take out Donald Trump because he's some unique threat to the country. It's wild to be on the outside of that psychosis looking in, but that's what we're looking yeah. at. Well, it's it like, I think it was fairly clear last time around, Jesse. I lived it. You did too, 2020. Trump did not want to leave then. Trump was no. convinced he had not lost and was holding on with all, you know, all dear might 
But what did he do? He left. He did not stay in office, even though they'd impeached him twice. They'd done all right, like all of the stuff. And now she wants us to believe that because he thinks he's going to be criminally tried upon leaving office, like we're in Russia. I mean, they are obsessed with Russia over at MSNBC. This actually is Vladimir Putin's reality. He probably would be killed or tried if he left office. So he's probably not going anywhere at any point soon. But we're in the United States of America. And Donald Trump, um, number one, if he gets into office as president, will just get rid of the two federal prosecutions. He will just pull the DOJ off and they will end. He doesn't have to worry about getting tried again. And he can also give himself a preemptive pardon. The Georgia case, I guess he might potentially still have to worry about, but that's in the process of imploding, Rachel. Maybe you didn't notice it because of the way your news coverage goes at MS. And the New York case is a nothing. So I'm not sure exactly what she's talking about. But again, I think she's talking about the communist is talking about Russia, as you might put it, Jesse Kelly. It's, it's, it is, Megan. It's wild to watch them. And you know what makes me angry about this is Rachel Maddow, who I don't know and don't care for, I at least can acknowledge is an intelligent, talented human being. I see talent when I see Rachel Maddow. You know, she's not Don Lemon. She has ability. She has talent to do it. <laughs> I agree with Rachel you. Maddow very likely knows that everything she says every single night is a bunch of crap. But her insane Democrat communist base doesn't. And so every night she creates a world of make-believe for them intentionally. And it's and honestly, Megan, it's it's cruel. It, it, like, like if I went home every night and let's say my kids were small, they're teenagers now, so this wouldn't work. But if I had little kids, four and five years old, and I told them if they uh, venture outside that monsters will eat them in the backyard. And I told them that over and over and over again. So eventually they live in this world of make-believe in their minds. Wouldn't that be cruel to do? I, I think that would be a really cruel thing to do. Well, that's what these dirt balls on TV do all the time and Democrat politicians do all the time. She knows that's a bunch of crap. She knows everything she's saying is a lie there. But the psychopath Democrat, the mentally ill single woman at home on 15 anti-anxiety medications sits there and looks at all her cats and says, oh my God, Trump's never going to leave. She believes it. <laughs> okay, I have to say, I don't agree with that. I think she so fears and has demonized Donald Trump. She genuinely believes he's capable of anything. And her audience feels the same. And they really believe he's this monster like figure who would get in there and just, you know, like the way your dog is when you try to get him into the car to go to the vet. Like, oh, pause. No. No, as they try to drag him out of the White House. <laughs> like, I think they believe he'd do it. I think it's sincere. It's sincere psychosis, but it's sincere. Yeah, look, you might be right about her. How could we psychologize her? You know, we don't know. But we're both right about her audience. The truth is, as hard as this is to believe that we share a country now with a lot of people who believe that. And that's how do you... How do you do that, Megan? Back to the national divorce talk we've had a bunch of times on the show. How do you and I share a country with these people who live in a world entirely of make-believe, no, not grounded in reality at all? They believe the sky is green and it rains Sour Patch Kids. How are we mm. supposed to merge those two worlds? It's not as if they're slightly off. They live in a world that is not real. I don't know how to put that. I don't know how to do that. All right, to steal a phrase from... Jane Austen through the mouth of Elizabeth Bennett. Laugh at them. We laugh <laughs> at them. That's what we do. That's how we coexist. We have to mock them. This is one of the reasons right. why I love you. 
is you're quick to use humor and you talk about the left. I, I get it. Some people don't like it. I like it because it's funny and it kind of calls out the outrageousness of some of these sound bites and behavior in a very effective way. We'll get more of the effective Jesse Kelly right after this very quick break. He stays with us. Don't go anywhere. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Jesse, um, more for you now on that news we broke at the top of the hour with that voicemail from the man who says he's a waiter in the area where all of our lawyers, Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade, Terrence Bradley, practice law. Um, for those of us, those who are just joining us, we'll play it again so you can hear what this man said. Uh, he contacted Ashley Merchant after Terrence Bradley, the lawyer for um, Nathan Wade, one-time lawyer, took the stand and said, oh, we haven't talked in years. This is after Terrence Bradley did a 180 on the text to Ashley Merchant saying the affair began long ago. Then he gets on the stand, does a 180, and this guy was listening to the testimony, including Terrence Bradley saying he hadn't spoken to Nathan Wade in two years. Well, this waiter drops the following voicemail to Ashley Merchant. Listen. Um, I'm calling. So I just watched the um, Terrence Bradley um, hearing, and I noticed on there he said that he hasn't talked to Nathan Wade in two years. But I work at a restaurant here on the square, and I waited on Terrence, B.C. Choper, and Nathan Wade about five weeks ago. So I just saw that and thought maybe you should know that if you want to call me back. And now we've reached out to this person and he has told us he knows most of the attorneys in the area. They all go into this restaurant apparently for lunch. He says um, he met Nathan Wade about six weeks ago after Nathan Wade joined Terrence Bradley and his lawyer, Chopra, who's mentioned there at the table, that the waiter introduced himself to Nathan because Nathan Wade was the only one he did not know on a first name basis. Watching the hearing, he was surprised to hear that they, quote, have not spoken in years. Again, this is a claim. This is not going to make it into the dance today because evidence is no longer open. Like he's not receiving evidence. He's just receiving arguments today. But it is very interesting. And would, I mean, just how close are they? And and is it is Terrence Bradley's resentment toward Nathan Wade simmering, but not in the open until now, because he definitely was trying to sink him when he was talking to Ashley Merchant via text. It wasn't until he looked scared shitless and took the witness stand that he was like, what? No, nothing. I mean, just five weeks ago, whatever this was, they were having lunch together, according to this witness. So something changed.
happens to these people in these little areas where they control has seen this a hundred times in politics. They, they, they're, they're there and they're all corrupt, right? And they're all stealing from each other. And they're so comfortable in their level of power because they normally own at least the top cops. They own, they, they own it all in this area that they're really brazen about their crimes, Megan. They're texting about it. Who texts about crimes? They're texting about it. They're putting in emails or this or that. And then when they get caught, they get caught so easily because as soon as you start looking into it, these people were so brazen. They were just so out in the open that it made it really obvious. That's what this looks like to me. Fulton County, Georgia has been a cesspool for a very long time. Obviously, it only got worse when Fannie Willis came in there and she brought all her cesspool friends with her. Oh my gosh. This is like every day there's drip, drip, drip. <laughs> you can't, don't lie. Just don't lie. Just tell the truth. Even if it's embarrassing, it's less embarrassing than lying and getting caught and potentially perjuring yourself, okay? Um, okay, moving on. I wanna get to what happened at the border yesterday. Both Trump went down and so did Biden, Mr. Biden, uh, to Brownsville, which is less problematic than where Trump went well, closer to Eagle Pass. And I mean, I'll just, just look at the video. It's just, to me, it's just so disconcerting to watch him walking, Jesse. You can see he's doing everything within his power to stay upright. Look at this, oh, with the arms, geez. I know. I know, with the arms like straight down at the sides, it's like German soldier-esque, you know, with the arms straight down at the sides, you can see he's barely staying upright. It's very scary to see him walking on gravel. Now, this is the leader of the free world. So he's down there. I'll say this though. I'll tell you why it's good news he's there. The Republicans won the immigration fight. They won. The American public are with the right on this issue now. All it took was busload after busload after busload of illegals going to towns near you uh, all over the country for people to see how big a problem this is. And if you listen to the New York Times, the daily podcast today, it's very clear the Biden administration is waving the white flag. They've heard the message. This has now become a, quote, bipartisan issue. The only question is what the solutions are going to be. But Biden knows we need to be more humane was a failure. Yeah, it was a huge failure. And I have to I have to be honest, Megan, I like to beat up the GOP a lot because they're basically a bunch of low T weenies most of the time. <laughs> but I have to give them credit for busing illegals into places like New York City. Yes. Is it a political gimmick? Of course, it's a political gimmick, but it is a brilliant political gimmick because it took this horrible burden of illegal immigration that, that southern states have been suffering forever. I mean, I, I, I'm here in the Houston area, Megan. There's a tiny, tiny town here called Alvin, Texas. Everyone can go look it up. And at their, at their local school, I mean, this is not some fancy rich kids school or whatnot, they had to build an entire Spanish-speaking wing from all the illegals that are packed into the school and illegal kids, right? So this is how southern states have been living forever. But transferring that burden onto these media hotbeds like New York City and dumping this problem in the lap of Democrat mayors who can't just print money, right? They don't have endless space. They don't have endless money. That's one of the more brilliant political gimmicks I've ever seen out of the GOP. It might be the most brilliant political gimmick I've ever seen. Now, don't get me wrong. The GOP still doesn't have the stones to do what needs to be done to protect the country. But as far as making Democrats look bad, and probably more importantly, eroding their support. That has been a big win. And, and not to filibuster here, sorry, Megan, but no, I think that's good. a big part of this illegal immigration thing. Obviously, everyone knows how elections work, pres especially presidential elections. You're trying to cobble together coalitions, right? You want this coalition, that coalition, that coalition. 
The black coalition in America has been 92% Democrat for as long as I've been alive. That's just been reliable. And so don't get me wrong, they're not going to be 92% Republican next time. But they have taken these illegals in places like New York City, and they, of course, take them right to the poorest neighborhoods, which are all the black neighborhoods, and they dump the illegals in the black neighborhoods. This is taking place in Boston. It's taking place all over the country. And black people are freaking furious that their stuff, their rec centers, their schools are being wrecked. Yeah. So is that going to flip them to voting Trump? No, but it might slip some. If Democrats go from having 92% of the black vote to 70, they're done. They're finished. They can't yeah, win elections. And they're desperately trying to hold that coalition together right now. Immigration just surpassed the economy as the number one issue in the country, even on the left. This is a first. It's huge. And I really think like it's it's time. It's time for really yeah. harsh border enforcement. That's what the country wants. Democrats are finally waking up to the reality. And in part because Yes, fentanyl and, and the migrants everywhere and the rec centers and like the surrender of our cities to people who don't share our values and don't want to assimilate. And also because we're getting killed by these people. Um, the case of Lake and Riley continues to make headlines. Trump uh, brought her up. He had spoken with her parents to his credit. Uh, and here is what he said about Lake and Riley yesterday. Sat three. The monster that charged uh, charging the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked. Joe Biden will never say Lake and Riley's name, but we will say it. But this is a Joe Biden invasion. He's transported the entire columns of uh, fighting aged men, and they're all at a certain age. And you look at them and say, they, they look like warriors to me. Something's going on. Biden migrant crime. It's a new form of a vicious violation to our country. Okay, contrast that with the messaging out of the White House on this same case. I give you Corinne Jean-Pierre. Republicans are directly blaming President Biden for this. Uh, Republican Senator Josh Hawley said, quote, these deaths are on him. What's the White House response to that? So first of all, I want to offer uh, our condolences to the family uh, of Lake. And I mean, this is a horrific, horrific loss for any family. And obviously, uh, any if whoever is found guilty, uh, we need to make sure that uh, make sure that that happens. And obviously, uh, we don't want to uh, we don't want to see uh, anything happen like that again. But here's the thing: we have done the work. Uh, to make sure we're dealing with a broken immigration system. The Republicans have gotten in the way. They have gotten in the way. Who, whoever is found guilty. Yeah. I mean, the illegal you have in custody right now who's been accused of the crime, whose entire crime history we know. And mm -hmm. by the way, the ending is the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's really the Republicans' fault. They're the ones to blame for the open border. They're just gaslighting yeah. at this point. Of course, they're, they're gaslighting. And, and it's like, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Megan. And, and I, I made a joke about it earlier about how, you know, mentally ill single women on anti-anxiety meds voting Democrat. But actually, there's a lot of facts behind that. And I think it'll help explain this a little bit. They've been doing a lot of studies recently. How do people vote in the country? Married men, women, single, whatever. And it, married men, Republican. Married women, Republican. Uh, uh, single men, Republican. 
and it's, it's about 50-50, but they're, they overwhelm, overwhelmingly vote Republican in those categories. But single women votes, I think it's like 72, 73% Democrat. They are the beating heart of the Democrat Party. And then they d- started digging into those numbers, and they found it was something like 67% had been diagnosed with some sort of mental illness. So, I, I, yes, I'm making a joke, but it is true. The mentally ill single woman is the beating heart of the Democrat Party. Everyone listening or watching right now knows a woman in their life. Her eyes are half bugged out of her skull. She ruins Thanksgiving every time bragging about her 15th <laughs> abortion. Everyone, everyone, everyone knows a woman like this. I know you, you're laughing. I know you do, Megan. Well, you have to understand that that it's psycho creature, she's always rage posting on Facebook about the mail or something. Everyone knows that person. When Democrats speak, they're not speaking to you. They're not even attempting anymore to speak to you. The reason they sound like nutballs and the reason they give answers like that is they're speaking to her. They're speaking to liberal Aunt Peggy. They're only speaking to her because she is their entire power base and they understand it. So when it seems like these people are speaking a totally alien language to normal people, not even political people, to normal people, it's because they are. They're not talking to you. They're not even trying to talk to you. They're talking to liberal Aunt Peggy. Liberal nutballs like Aunt Peggy. I have an Aunt Peggy, but she's not a liberal nutball. She's not. Aunt Peggy's not like that. God love you, Aunt Peggy. Sorry, Um, Peggy. No, not you. It was a generic, generic use of Peggy. Um, Uh By the way, the guy's name is Jose Abara, uh, who she's looking for, I-B-A-R-R-A. She should look that up because she's the White House press secretary. And uh, you know what? That guy's in for a world of hurt if our justice system does what it's supposed to do. Not not just whoever, whoever is found guilty, whomever could it be? Well, we know. We know exactly who it is, ma'am. Um, okay. Ricky Schlott, former Megan Kelly show intern, now writer for the New York Post and others, very smart gal, um, has a piece in the New York Post. Very interesting. The headline is No Wonder Boys Are Turning Toward Conservative Beliefs. It's rebellion against their parents' woke ideology. And she points out that in New York Magazine's The Cut, you know, it's like an offshoot, um, there's a piece now by Catherine Jeezer Morton who asks, can we keep our sons from conservative politics? She's very concerned that her son might be exposed to conservative ideology and might actually embrace it. And what's happening more and more, Jesse, is they are all these leftists who are trying to cram woke ideology down the throats of these young boys are turning them into Jesse Kelly's. I've seen it with my own eyes time after time. It's happening and it's fascinating and it's scaring these women with the cats shitless. It is, Megan, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I see it all the time in my own home. And let me let me clarify, because I know everyone's watching or listening and saying, well, yeah, they're your sons, right? So I have two teenagers, Luke and James, 13 and 14. But it's I'm not even talking about my sons. Yes, my sons are hardcore. It's their friends, Megan. I don't sit and I, and I don't sit down and, and talk politics with my son's friends, nor would I, right? They come over, they're hanging out, they're playing. I, I don't get involved in, in any of that kind of stuff. It's more, hey, you want pizza? How about some video games? It's that. But these kids... These kids are, some of them are to the right of me. And a lot of, look, they're young. They don't understand with very much depth yet what they believe, why they believe what they believe. But because they feel like society is against them and because it feels rebellious and wrong, 
they are vehemently against any of this woke crap, all this LGBTQ, DEI stuff. These are 12, 13-year-old boys, Megan, and they are hardcore. I walked out of their room, my boys' room, a couple times saying, oh, my gosh, these kids, these kids might just save this place one day. Yes. No, so she goes on to talk about how this one woman's son is probably going to rebel against her. Ricky's positing mm. because this Jeezer Morton writes, my voice raises as I start lecturing a teen about why he needs to recognize the importance of the history of indigenous people for young <laughs> men to experience the narratives of success. They feel they need to start from a position of disempowerment. Blaming women for their troubles is an easy route to that position. One more. She reflects on her time teaching at a local college where she says hetero boys are imagining their enemies and experiencing a fake problem of cancel culture and victimhood. This is thank you, Jeezer Morton, because you are the one who's going to be our savior from turning all these young boys into far leftists like you. That's all we need. We don't need Jesse Kelly, Megan Kelly, no Kellys. We need Jeezer Mortons out there, Jesse. We do. She should be our leading voice now, Megan. Maybe she, she should just take over your show and my show, because the more women like that speak, the more hardcore they turn the next generation of young boys who feel like society hates them, never speaks to them, belittles them, talks down to them. Well, young boys are going to rebel. Look, when we were kids, Megan, yeah. what was rebellion? You know, it was sneaking a cigarette out behind the gym or doing something stupid like that. Don't smoke, kids, by the way. You sneak a beer out of your dad out of your dad's fridge. But today, what's real rebellion? It's standing up against all this crap. And that's what the yeah. kids are doing. Anytime, Jeezer. Come on over. Yeah. Jesse Kelly, great yeah. to see you. Thanks for being here. You too. Uh, when we come back, an exclusive interview about a new docuseries focused on the dangers of putting biological men in women's prisons. I'm Megan Kelly, host of The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch The Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM at home or anywhere you are, no car required. I do it all the time. I love the Sirius XM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 
Now we have an exclusive look into a new docu-series by the Independent Women's Forum that is sounding the alarm on the dire consequences of allowing trans-identifying biological males into female prisons. These are men who claim they're women and get into female prisons, notwithstanding whatever their history is and whatever they did to get them into prison. The docuseries is called Cruel and Unusual Punishment, the male takeover of women's prisons. Here's the trailer. Watch. California has passed legislation allowing transgender inmates in the state's correctional facilities to be assigned housing based on their gender identity. We were very nervous, angry. We weren't given a voice. No one asked us how we felt about this. No one did. In September, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill 132 into law. As soon as the transfer started, there were people having sex on the yard, in the porta potties. We're getting the predators, the sexual predators, people who have been incarcerated for rape, um, men who have been incarcerated for oral copulation, men who have been incarcerated for crimes against women. California now joins Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York City, and Massachusetts in recognizing inmates' gender identity. They were like kids in a candy store because they knew they were going from a men's prison to a female's prison. If this doesn't constitute bigotry, I don't know what does. Women's safety, their mental health, overall well-being, everything has been compromised. And if you're purposely putting a predator amongst prey, so to say, I don't got to tell you what's going to happen. Honestly, I really don't think the public cares. Mm. Amy Ichikawa, Independent Women's Forum Ambassador, and Kelsey Bowler, Independent Women's Forum Director for Storytelling, join us now to discuss. Amy, Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yo, you bet. I'm so glad you did this. I mean, since the day that Gavin Newsom said that they were going to start doing this, it was very clear that this would lead to peril for incarcerated females. And indeed, it has. So this is a great idea, Kelsey, to tell the story. Thank you for doing it. And Amy, you unfortunately lived the story. You were incarcerated for five years and a trans-identified male was moved into your prison. It was a drug deal gone wrong, extremely wrong. And, but eventually once I finally got to prison, uh, there, there were some situations where uh, there were trans-identified individuals who uh, a person was processing into the institution and it was extremely disturbing. Uh, I wasn't on the same yard or in the same unit as this individual, but it did send a clear message across the entire population that uh, someone's validation of their identity is more important than the entire safety and well-being of the female population. So what, the, in particular, there was a convicted rapist, as I understand it, named Richard Masbruch, who identified as a trans woman, went by the name Sherry in a prison transfer. So tell us about your experience with that. The depression, the um, feelings of worthlessness and just com being completely forgotten was extremely heavy uh, within the institution at that point. Uh, nobody really believed us. People were calling home and explaining this to their family members. And a lot of people thought we were crazy. Uh, my own parents, until they saw it in the newspaper, uh, couldn't believe that it was actually taking place. But 
this was a person who had been convicted of multiple rapes and they were crimes that took place in the same county that the prison is in. So many women were familiar with the commission of the crime. And wow. it, it was it was very um, it was debilitating emotionally on some level. And there was uh, some <laughs> electrocution that took place in the commission of that crime. And this individual walked directly up to the uh, Women's Advisory Council president and asked if they could help them get a job in the electrical shop. So it's very brazen. This isn't uh, a situation where people are just trying to assimilate and fit in. It's definitely a hostile takeover. Hmm. So what was the women's reaction to his presence among you? A lot of women were sad. A lot of women were uh, curious. Um, It eventually led to this person being attacked and moved to a lower security prison. Uh, the culture that is is being brought into the women's facilities from the men's institution is nothing like women are, are used to uh, being around or are familiar with on any level. Uh, women are not separated by crime level, security level, um, race, gang affiliation, anything like that. But the men's facilities are highly segregated like that for safety purposes. So when someone comes from a men's institution, they bring uh, that type of politics into the women's environment. And it's uh, it's very negative. Uh, it's very racist. It's not anything that uh, I think anyone could really be equipped to deal with or, or prepare themselves uh, to wade through. So when someone tells you that you have to sit in the back to watch TV because you're a certain color, it just doesn't sit well with people. And when they're trying to implement their rules in an environment where the program is completely different, it doesn't bode well either. Mm. This is a lot to deal with. I mean, Kelsey, you've, this is why you decided to shine a light on this. And I understand in the, in the first episode of this, you're going to show us a woman who had a cellmate who was actually a man claiming to be a female. And I cannot imagine the terror that such a woman feels every night going into her bunk. Right. Those of us in the free world, it's hard to imagine what this living space looks and feels like. But these women are in very tight quarters. And now with biological men where they are sharing bunk beds uh, with these individuals. And, you know, I'll never forget one line really stuck with me um, that, you know, women are climbing up their bunk in their nightgown with a male sitting in bed beneath them, a fully intact male. Um, They are sharing showers and toilets, very intimate facilities with biological men. And there's a huge story of media bias here. Uh, When I was doing background research for this project, uh, I I looked around at what type of stories are already out there. NBC, Vice News, there's plenty of stories covering the implications of these policies allowing biological men into women's prisons from the perspectives of the trans-identified men. 
And yet none of those reporters who got access to the women's prisons apparently thought to stop and ask the female inmates, how do you feel about these policies? How has your life changed? Have you been negatively impacted? Women across the board are just being erased. They don't have a voice in this. We hope to change that. Uh, because they absolutely need to be heard. They are being harmed both mentally and physically every day by these policies. It's absolutely disgusting some of the fallout uh, that they're faced with every single day by having biological men in such tight quarters with them. And, you know, this is just another piece of this whole gender ideology puzzle where uh, so the activists try to claim that, you know, there's such a small portion of trans identified individuals in this country why are we why are we paying so much attention to it the reason is because even one biological male in a women's prison or in any women's space affects all of us affects all women and girls we have to stand up and be a voice that's right we can't forget about women just because they're having to pay their dues to society after committing a crime, they still have rights. It is cruel and unusual punishment to subject them to this. This is totally unfair and it's unsafe as so many of these issues are involving men claiming that they're women wanting access to our spaces. There was just an article, I'm um, just days ago by the Daily Signal, reporting on someone named Caitlin McGraw, a prisoner currently incarcerated in Wisconsin, serving a sentence for possession of narcotic drugs and bail jumping. She's been there since summer of 2023. And she was forced to room in a small prison cell with a transgender prisoner whose name I, I reportedly is Mark Campbell. And she says, according to the Daily Signal, that in September she had to uh, file a report Oh, no, in September, she learned that this man raped his own daughter, that he's a registered sex offender, convicted of first degree sexual assault of a tr of a child. And now this man is, according to the report, constantly masturbating and making sexual comments and aggressive behavior toward her. And she's got to share a tiny cell with him. I mean, this I assume this is what you heard, Kelsey, when you looked into this, th these kinds of stories. Right. Nobody in the free world would tolerate this behavior. And in some cases, these crimes, women have a right to have basic privacy uh, when, even when they are incarcerated. And uh, the sad thing is it's very difficult for them to speak out against these policies. And that is part of Amy's story. Not only does she have direct experience herself being housed uh, with a trans identifying inmate behind bars, but she, since leaving prison, has become the, the person that the female inmates now go to. They contact her every single day telling her the effects that these policies are having and how they are powerless to fight back against it. And Amy really carries a heavy emotional burden um, in being contacted by them all the time. So that is part of her story. Um, in addition to that, having all the typical women's organizations, so-called feminists, slamming the door on her, uh, not caring what she has to say about trying to fight for these female inmates uh, and their basic humanity behind bars. Um, I, I'm proud that Independent Women's Forum stepped in and is giving them a voice uh, because for far too long, Amy has been alone in this battle. Amy, I, I know that you've been keeping this blog 
and getting feedback from incarcerated women now, um, IWF sent over a sample that reads as follows. I'll, I'll read it in part. I'm wide awake, nightmare from my childhood, 1 a.m. In my unit, uh, blank, just keeps getting accommodation after accommodation after three incidents with three different white women. The first one he choked. Second, he repeatedly punched her in the face. Then the nerve to pull his penis out and demand that she perform fellatio on him. Only the last victim was moved to Sea Yard pending an investigation. This woman has has been having uh, a rough time since. She's been put out from different rooms because she wakes up screaming from her nightmares triggered by this guy. The last victim's here for murder slash domestic violence partner. She's been raped, beaten, et cetera. These women need help. So you've got an, a, a portion of women who are in there who do have domestic violence pasts that are traumatic. And now they're being forced to be housed with many men, some very high percentage of which uh, the, the number I saw was 33.8% of those who are housed, the males who are housed with females are registered sex offenders. Over in Great Britain, they say it's nearly 75, 75% of transgender prisoners in Britain are behind bars for sex offenses per the Daily Mail. And that's in comparison to the 17% approximately in the general male population. So this is a really uh, increased number. And the fact that they're registered means that this is not a first offense as a sex crime. Uh, many women are serving life sentences behind uh, killing their attackers, their abusers. Um, 90% of incarcerated women in California are battered and beaten or have been battered and beaten. And now they're continuing to be battered and beaten. So the PTSD that everyone was recovering from is now morphing into a complex PTSD and the symptoms are being felt widespread. Uh, women are, it's, it's like this contagion at this point. Uh, they're encouraged to just put their heads down and get over it. Uh, if they seek mental health services, they're told, uh, you know, that they need to stop being transphobic. Uh, one oh woman, my Lord. Uh, right. One woman was told uh, uh, that she had to have her session cut short because the uh, mental health care provider was uncomfortable. Uh, oh, my, there is really nowhere. <laughs> and, and there's a very huge shortage of mental health uh, clinicians within the prison system, too. So. There is no respite from this. They have no resources. There's no one to even talk to. Uh, and it's, it, I mean, I can feel it through the phone calls on a daily basis, how uh, desperate and limited they're starting to feel. It's like the walls are closing in on them. This is a nightmare. I, so what's the solution, Kelsey? I mean, like the law, the law is, is, as your trailer points out, has been changed in many states to allow this. Right. There's different policies and California actually passed a law like a handful of other states um, proactively opening the door for anyone who self-identifies as transgender or gender non-conforming to go be housed in the women's prisons. And men are taking advantage of that for a variety of reasons. Some of them might really believe they are transgender if there is such thing, um, but others are taking advantage of it because why wouldn't they want to? Why, um, you know, the the female facilities in, in, in many ways are much more ap appealing than living amongst the men, male facilities. Um, and then at the federal level, uh, we have the Biden administration encouraging 
um, federal prisons to allow biological men into women's prisons. And we've seen um, when when lawmakers press the Biden administration on how many trans identified inmates even exist in federal prisons right now, they they can't or they won't give an answer. So there's just a lack of transparency across the board. And nobody is is saying that we can't have certain accommodations for individuals who have really gone down the rabbit hole and had taxpayer funded surgeries, by the way. We are paying for these inmates who identify as transgender oh. to get surgeries uh, to appear more like a woman. Nobody is saying that we can't have some accommodations for them. But that does not mean we should be sacrificing women's safety and well-being in order to accommodate their feelings that they feel like a woman. This is absolute madness. This is not fair. And it's definitely not safe. Again, people need to do something about this. I mean, the first thing you can do is watch the docuseries. Get yourself up to speed on what's actually all the predictions have come true. I mean, that's basically where we are. Kelsey, Thank you for doing this. Amy, all the best to you. And thank you for telling your story. Uh, the audience should know the docuseries is called Cruel and Unusual Punishment, the male takeover of women's prisons. And it's available now. You can find it at www.iwf, like independent women's forum, .org slash cruel and unusual. And at the Independent Women's Forum YouTube channel. Take care. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.